Welcome to a special interview broadcast with an artist we hold most dear at RPS. Though the name Dan Behar may be well recognized by music fans who've kept a keen eye on the city of Vancouver for the last 20 years, some may have overlooked the fact that as Destroyer, Behar has released up to 12 albums to date, including this last one he's just put out, titled Have We Met? A record, according to his press release, culled from years' worth of saved writing, set aside for projects beyond music and recorded at his kitchen table. Have We Met harkens back to Kaput-era Dan, stringing together lyrics offhand while lounging on his couch. The resulting vocal sound exists in the sweet spot between two Destroyer worlds colliding. Hints of the past, more strident Destroyer mixed in with a relaxed, new-aged crooning one. We were fortunate enough to interview him recently, and here it is, just for you, dear listener. But first, we begin with album opener, Crimson Tide. I was like the laziest river, a vulture predisposed to eating off floors. No, wait, I take that back. I was more like an ocean, stuck inside hospital corridors. My condition in general, despite what they say, improves. So I could care less on a night like this I'm on the lookout for anything that moves Crimson Tide I know when to hold on And I know when to leave I know where to go And I know how to breathe I know how you blow Bubbles You can look at the world Till you don't know what you've done You can follow a salary To the bottom of the ocean Is that yours? Throw it in the pot I thought I was smart, I'm not I thought I was sick and dying Insane. 
stampede, a vile promenade, but in China, teacups, two fools find love. Back at Hotel Parallel, hysteria, I can feel it. She says, get into the zone, the zone is brimstone and wire. You open your mouth to watch your teeth shudder at the mirror. At the clutter, crimson time. Hello. Hello, Dan. Hey, how are you? Very well. Thank you for joining us to talk about your new record, Have We Met? No problem. Well, uh, I'm afraid we've never met personally before, even though I've seen you play live and uh, Kaput is one of my top five uh, albums ever. An album with which, uh, and I quote what you, something you said in an interview, you didn't write a lot of the songs with any aid of any kind of instrument. Did you approach this new record in a similar fashion? I think I tried to, yeah. Um this record the initial idea was just to focus on synthetic sounds and i i had the idea of like a um, incredibly loud kind of abrasive dirty drum samples uh-huh. and super low end kind of dub bass and then just sound effects and try and steer clear of melodic arrangements but you know that was kind of an idea that got thrown out the window <laughs> but that was the that was the first idea and so i think um when putting it together i mostly just tried to sing to a beat or sing to a drone you know yeah what did you did you recite or improvise a lot of lyrics while you were lying on a sofa from something <laughs> i read no i'm i'm actually not very good at improvising at all usually i have to know the melody and the final words of a song from the from beginning to end before I'll get in front of a microphone. Mm-hmm. So there was definitely more structure than that. Um, and even uh, two or three of the songs I'd even tried playing like solo acoustic live uh, before, before trying to record them, which now that I hear the record seems completely insane, but I did. I see. And, uh, I also read that in, in the press release you say that this record came together in such a crazy way all equal parts ecstasy and terror would you like I to explain I don't know what that quote means I, I really want to know where the record label uh, got that from It's, I feel like someone hacked into my email uh, <laughs> and, and must have read some kind of private thing I don't know what the ecstasy and the terror was aside from the ecstasy and the, the normal ecstasy and terror of every single time you would make a record but uh, I might have been talking about um, maybe I was talking more about the producer than myself I think because he was um, I think 48 hours after we finished mixing the record he went to the to the hospital to where his daughter was born uh huh 
Yes, I, I read that too. We're going to talk about that a bit further ahead. Uh, speaking of, you know, spies uh, listening to your conversations, or do you do you use uh, Alexa or any of these um, these these devices that are getting into our homes and that supposedly can spy on us? No, no, I don't use those. But um, you know, I did record all the the kind of skeletons of these songs. Uh, and I did record my vocals, you know, at home on GarageBand on my computer, which I'm sure GarageBand has some kind of spy function that I don't know about. I haven't mm -hmm. discovered yet. Well, th there's something that us music fans like, and it's being able to paint a picture rather than us create our own. We like it when the artists kind of paint the picture for us. Like, for instance, I'll give you an example. Nick Cave uh, has talked at length about how he has a garden shed where he, com which is his creative space for writing. Right. Yeah. What's your setup like? What's your what's your home like? What's or what's your creative space like? I don't really have one. You know, I've always. I wish I had more of a process, but I, I'm usually just walking around and um, and some 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 line or some piece of music will just come to me. I can't, I've never been able to just sit down and and say to myself, "Okay, it's time to write a song. Let's begin." Hmm. Uh, very much the opposite of having a garden shed where you can go and work. But someday, I I would like to force myself to do that I think it would be interesting um, but right now the songs kind of just visit me whenever they feel like eventually when I'm done constructing them in my head I will sit down and throw open a computer doesn't matter really where I've done it in hotel rooms or I've done it you know at my kitchen table uh, and you know I'll create like a, some kind of structure for the song or simple arrangement for the song that then either the band will work on or in this case the producer will work on hmm. well i mean creative block is something acceptable in an artist's career yet you have a very healthy and steady track of albums underneath your belt mate uh, what made you get into the composition of this album straight after ken i don't know i i, I work at a pretty I guess I work at a pretty quick pace. Um, you know, I think I've slowed down a bit as I get older. I think that's really natural. Um, I think I was I was looking through some kind of older writings that I had put aside for something that I didn't know what it would be, but I, I didn't think it would be musical. I didn't think it would be songs. And eventually I, I got tired of that writing just sitting there. And I thought, well, I'm not... I'm not a, I'm not going to ever write anything besides a song. I'm just a singer. Um, so, you know, instead of just throwing that crap out, I actually started to look at it for the first time in a while, and I got I got pretty into it, and I started stringing like various lines over the last few years together, and uh, and that song eventually turned into Crimson Tide, which was maybe the first. Mm. song off the record that I wrote and it's kind of in a different style from the other ones and um, kind of a process that's different from how I've been doing things for the last 10 years mm. uh, but I got I got really into it and so that just kind of that kick, kind of kick-started things mm. Another thing, I'm sorry, I'm picking like loads of stuff that you've said in past interviews, but it makes me no, fun. no, that's fine. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of songs, I mean, I I think of you as 
a songwriter's songwriter, you know, the way you, you talk about an actor's actor or, you know, like, or whatever. Uh, and you, you did say, you said something that makes a lot of sense to me in this day and age. And you said, I quote, I do see songs being kind of quaint these days. And you went on to speak about the, 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 the virtue of um, pointlessness, like how, <laughs> you know, we should still do things even if there's no point to it. Yeah. Uh, can you expand a little bit on <laughs> I can't remember saying that but it's the, talking about the business does sound like something I would say um, I, I don't know I felt like I feel like maybe um, there's like the, the craft sense of songwriting definitely feels like kind of 20th century to me or traditional um, and sometimes I find that really frustrating you know uh And sometimes I really like that structure, and I don't really know how much it speaks to to the world today. You know, um, maybe like country music or something like that um, still has this kind of reverence for the song. But I think you know, um, you know, hip hop seems like. To, to address the world in a much more like relevant way hmm. than um, than someone who sings songs at least in in America which is where I'm from hmm. or in North America I think the world is different from North America I always have to remind myself that hmm. um, so maybe that's what I was maybe that's what I was thinking you know like how songs are kind of just like paintings hmm. um, uh, which is the opposite of some kind of blown out piece of conceptual work that would really uh, rock the 21st century yeah I, I got what you were I, I, I was trying to understand a little bit of what you were saying in that an interview and I guess you were making a comparison to how you know people back in Shakespeare's time would speak in iambic pentameter or whatever right and, mm -hmm. and uh, how we now communicate with abbreviations on WhatsApp right you know it's the, sure. the evolution of communication uh, Do you f do you find any of this interesting? And in, as a songwriter, the way like young people are communicating now uh, with you know where they'll mix uh, well, especially in Spanish, for instance, like it's now totally normal to say English words like ah vamos a hacer un meeting or vamos yeah, a hacer yeah, un yeah. co-working. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's a little bit lame sometimes the way it's used in certain offices. <laughs> But like, there's this young generation of kids who've grown up with internet, and and you see like children in school saying what the fuck, you know. In, yeah. in, in a Spanish school, which is really funny. <laughs> does any of this, I, uh, yeah, does, does any of I, this attract I don't you? think it, I mean, that's not something that I would probably engage in as a, <laughs> as a writer, but I'm also a very un unconscious writer. You know, I'm very, I'm very intuitive. I don't really sit down and think about a topic and then write about that. It's just language comes to me in like, uh, in little blasts, you know? Uh, and I've always gravitated towards old language or dead language. I've, I just like the sound of it. It sounds more mysterious, and mystery is good in, in song, when you're singing. 
It certainly is. Uh, you, you mentioned before that your creative partner, John Collins, had their first baby on the way when you were making this album, and that was kind of the deadline, you know, get this album yeah. done before the kid is born. Yes. So I'd like to pose this discussion, however unpopular the answer may be or whatever, right? But I promise we won't edit this. So, you know, you can digress and, and okay. we won't bring it out of context. But f for you, what are the priorities when it comes to making art or for Destroyer, shall we say? What comes first, family and friends or art? Oh, uh, I mean, Destroyer is like a, a just like a, some small part of me that I share with the world, uh, you know my natural instincts are to share nothing with the world and i have a huge chunk of my life that is my own and is very important to me um and that i prioritize i'm sure when i was younger as, as in my 20s i i i was a, a bit more consumed by the idea of um just art making and the importance of it and but i don't know if that leads to making important art that's just like romanticizing an ideal you know hmm. um and you know you know 20 years ago all i did was just play guitar and write and play in bands just all day long you know it was my pretty much my entire life um does that equate to me making great art i don't know it makes me kind of more manic about it, it makes me kind of more f furious about it hmm. and maybe that energy is in the music but there's other kind of energies as well that are equally as good if not better i mean as a as an experienced and successful composer you know what would you recommend to other artists who struggle uh, balancing a normal life with family and you know balancing it with creative work which requires extreme dedication God, I have no advice. Every <laughs> every like moment when I take one second to step back and look at what I'm doing, it just seems like uh, still very strange, you know? Um, like I'm flying around Europe talking to people about this record. And it's, you know, part of it feels very familiar and the other part of it seems completely absurd. And um, I don't... I, you know, like, it even goes back to how I don't really have a working process. I don't know, I don't really know how to m apply myself to a, a task, um, let alone trying to in incorporate that into having a normal life. I think I do have a normal life where I spend, you would, I would probably just be like any other, it's, you know, any other guy in his 40s with a family. Um, the only difference is that maybe a, two or three months out of the year I go out into the world and I live in bars <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I go out into the world for a quarter of the year and I <clears throat> I, I sing in bars <laughs> that part is strange and will always feel weird and um, especially as you get older uh, it gets more confusing but I love I love doing it I love I love singing you know um Do you like so I, I don't question it too much. It's more like the lifestyle around it is is a, a bit strange. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the, the nice part is the moment you get on stage and sing to an audience, but what about touring? Is it something you still enjoy or is it, is it does it get a bit harder as you get along? 
I think it. I think I'm. I must not be the only person who thinks that it gets the the parts that don't involve being on stage get harder as you get older. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to complain about it because mm. as a, as a job, uh, you know, most people feel like I've won the lottery. Um, you mm. know, there's lots of lots of amazing musicians and writers who, um, you know, who have to like do some other kind of job and then kind of create create some kind of um, carve out moments and isolated moments in their life where they can do do their art you know it's not something that they can focus on full time so that in itself is a luxury Just happen to anyone
Let me talk about one of the songs on this new album that, sure. uh, that has uh, stood out for me. Uh, it's called The Television Music Supervisor. Something yeah. we tend to discuss at length because, you know, TV shows have become a very good platform to get new music into homes on a mainstream level, shall we say. What were you trying to channel when you wrote this song? I don't... It's, it's such a strange song because it's... Of all the songs on the record, it kind of has like the most specific kind of language but really the the song came to me almost complete out of nowhere like as if in it as if i just dreamt it up mm. you know like walking down the street one day and all of a sudden i'm just like with the melody included uh just you know the television music supervisor says mm. i can't believe what i've done and i kind of just stopped in my tracks and um was like this has to be some kind of chance or some you know some kind of some kind of song and i just kind of wrote it out as a kind of like um a deathbed song yeah. <laughs> like like a citizen kane style figure on their deathbed looking back on a life wasted or a life of regret um you know i like I like those kind of, that kind of writing, if that's a genre, the deathbed genre. Uh, <laughs> I like um, it. Because it's like, it's kind of nostalgic, but you're looking back in a, through a kind of fog uh, and also making it, imagine it as like a, a figure of, um, you know, someone who wields great power and influence. Mm. But the, the idea that in the 2010s, um, that person instead of like an emperor or a warlord might be a television music supervisor mm. seems uh, kind of ludicrous but also quite real so i, I like that i like kind of that conflict yeah. uh, as an image and i also just like the sound of it is so like such a strange futuristic sounding phrase and also kind of really victorian sounding mm. like speaking of dead language i don't know if in 20 years someone will even understand what I'm saying when they hear that line. Yeah, it'll probably, we were discussing yesterday how algorithms seem to be taking over and pro learning how to program music. Well, it's like if you play the Spotify, right? You know, the algorithm right. sometimes suggests like a, a playlist, which is amazing. You know, you discover lots of bands from, yeah. from an algorithm. So yeah, yeah, DJs, we're running out of work. <laughs> Let's talk about the album cover. We see you elegantly dressed, like the romantic crooning balladeer we all love. Mm. Uh, this has been a steady evolution in Destroyer's persona. Is this something that you're, you're, you're totally confident with and you want to continue uh, feeding, shall we say, this, this image of this doomed romantic? I mean, I didn't really know if I looked doomed. I did want to kind of classy myself up a bit i threw on a blazer mm -hmm. <laughs> and i did i i did use a, a a fancier vocal microphone than maybe what i normally use on tour <laughs> but i just wanted a, an old an old school kind of shot of a singer you know i wanted a shot of me singing in action just so um and photographed in a way that you knew that that record even though the sound of the record doesn't steer into this but the the like germ of the songs and my vocal style i just wanted you to be able to put it next to like a tony bennett record in the record store if you have to file it somewhere yeah 
who who are your some of some of your favorite crooners? Um, I don't listen to that kind of music too much, you know. Hmm. Um, I I don't. There's like um, kind of wim, women crooners from the '50s who I do like, like Jerry Southern and um, you know Chris Connor. Um, or you know, I listened to like a Dinah Washington record. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I went through an extreme Frank Sinatra phase, I guess. Yeah. Um, courtesy of my obsession with Scott Walker, that's kind of a place you end up at sometimes. Yeah. And uh, you know, actually, there is a Tony Bennett record with Bill Evans that I really love. Um. But you know, it's something I I like, uh, but I'm not. I'm not totally invested in what I was invested in. It was like getting across the idea of um, just like focusing on being a vocalist, really, which is something I've been trying to do for the, the last few years, um, as opposed to like the first, you know, 12 years of Destroyer, where I was really focused on being um, kind of a rhythm guitar player who spat out poetry. Hmm. <laughs> Well, you know, you mentioned Sinatra, Tony Bennett, you know, uh, great figures of, of, of romantic music or however you'd like to put it, yet also men of a different time, right? Uh, in this, Yeah, very out of step. <laughs> you could say that, right? Uh, especially, yeah. you know, we, we know Sinatra, well, yeah, he had some shady episodes in his life. Uh, um, yeah, sure. But uh, in this age where masculinity has been cornered and questioned for many reasons, did you have any reservations on playing up to this image of, like, this lady-killing romantic, uh, you know, by wearing <laughs> the suit and, you know, on, on the cover? I think that from... From like the first listening to the first ten seconds of the first song on the record, mm -hmm. uh, um, anyone who would think of that image being kind of toxic would probably breathe a huge sigh, <laughs> a sigh of relief. I don't, I don't know if anyone's ever really like heard a Destroyer song gone man, what a lady killer. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I think I just wanted more to um invoke traditional um traditional vocalist record covers yeah. of an era gone, you know kind of gone by yeah i don't think the the image itself of doomed troubadour or um uh you know uh some weird casanova thing that <laughs> doesn't I, I really don't think that's an image I've played with very much at all. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what to do with it. No, no, ly lyrically, definitely not. You know, because you know how some that today nowadays people just sort of look at a like a headline or a photo and they they immediately pass a judgment without digging deep into right. an artist's you know discourse. Yeah, I think there's definitely a dissonance between the album cover and the music inside. That's for sure. Uh, they're quite different, and I like that actually. Yeah. Also, and 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 please stop me if if I'm if I'm dragging on with this, but you know, it's it's only because I really I've always 
really enjoyed sleazy characters in movies and stuff. I don't know if you remember yeah. Bobby Peru played by Willem Dafoe in Wild at Heart. You know, the, sure, yeah, yeah. these sn- yeah. snaky characters and stuff. And it's funny because I have read the word sleazy as an adjective that you know <laughs> that has been used describing a lot of the destroyer vibe uh, in certain moments, right? I don't. It's true, but I think a lot of that has to do with. Um, the minute people hear a saxophone played in a certain <laughs> way, they automatically use the word sleaze, yeah. which is maybe not altogether wrong. But uh, um, I, I'm pretty sure that's when that started to happen. I don't remember like making destroyers rubies yeah. and uh, and someone going. Um, there's like a louche or sleazy lounge quality to this music. It almost 100% corresponded to me incorporating jazz instruments in, into destroyer music. Uh-huh. I guess what I do like is a late night vibe, but I'd like to think that that's slightly different than a sleaze vibe. Yeah. 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 It's just, there's, there's just, you know, it, it's part of the, collective imaginarium right the 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 late night bars the smoke the piano Mm -hmm. the pianist you know in closing time uh yeah tom Waits springs to mind you know closing time you know having his whiskey there and that kind of stuff you know i can see how uh, i've definitely been a little uh, a bunch of closing times drinking whiskey um but usually you would take one look at me and uh (laughs) I, I i don't know if i would cut a romantic figure and you certainly don't strike me as a dangerous-looking character. You know, I, I, you, you seem like someone who who people like talking to or going up to talk to. Mm, Dude, I, I'm pretty shut down usually. Like, uh, probably in 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 real life, generally I avoid a conversation at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm do, I'm doing okay today. <laughs> Um, Antonio Luque is a friend of us of ours uh, of, of, of me personally our radio and the festival you covered yeah. his songs on your EP five Spanish songs do you guys still mm-hmm. maintain regular contact uh, no no I had a bit of contact around the time of making that record yeah but uh, no I've, I've kind of lost contact how's he doing he's fantastic always yeah. you know he's well I mean yeah. I mean I haven't seen him since uh, in the last year I think but you know he he usually comes every year to the festival either to perform or just as a as a um, as a guest yeah and um yeah yeah he's been doing great in the last few years he um, seems like someone who's um incredibly prolific as well you know someone who's just is a writing machine oh yeah Oh yeah, he just yeah. he just br- lives and breathes songs. I don't know how he yes. does it. I, I mean, how did that relationship come to flourish? I mean, what was the um, how? Yeah, how did that start? How, how was I exposed to that music in the first place? Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I have a a cousin who in Sevilla was in a very very early version of Chinarro. Yeah. Um, before they even made their first album. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing early stuff, uh, like listening to it back in Canada and thinking that it was really good. And so I just kind of made the effort to, um, to follow it once records actually started coming out. And it just, I don't know, there's something about the melodies and the words which are really hard for me to understand but i would try to in the bits that i understood 
you know, here and there and the way that they were phrased, I've always found them just like really distinct and, uh, and it ended up being like a, a catalog of music that I was quite familiar with, you know, that probably at the time of making that record, I realized I'd been listening to his music pretty steady for about 10 years. Um, and I'd been thinking about, you know, a lot of time went by between Kaput and Poison Season for me, four years, four and a half years is a long time between records, probably too long. Um, and I wanted to get back in the studio just to, to do something, some kind of, but I wanted it to be like a distinct project and something fun, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it was at the time when I first started kind of thinking of my, myself as like someone who could sing songs and not just deliver, deliver destroyer lines. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I kept going back to the idea of singing, um, trying to sing in a different language, specifically in Spanish songs. And those were the ones that I felt the most comfortable with because they're actually, because they're actually also the ones that I just knew the best, you know? And you certainly pulled off an incredible accent, you know, much better than, you know, not to shade Nat King Cole, whose Spanish accent was glorious, you know, with, uh, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I tried. It was, um, that part was a bit of a struggle, but, uh, it was really fun. It was a good record to make. But do you actually have Andalusian ancestors, right? Yes. Yeah. My father was Spanish. He was from Granada. Granada. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, uh, I, yeah, I was born in, in Vancouver in Canada and my mother's American. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What about, uh, speaking of Canada, uh, any plans to continue doing stuff with the new pornographers or has that been put aside i mean it's kind of two records now that i haven't been involved and i haven't you know done any touring with them and for like five years now mm -hmm. i haven't played any shows i mean i might someday write a rock song and it that feels like it needs to be on a record like that uh i still really really admire carl as a songwriter and arranger there's always you know going to be a couple songs off a new pornographer's record that I um, play over and over again, but you know we, our lives are kind of scattered all over the continent, and um, you know uh, I feel like I have my hands full with Destroyer these days, and it's always been kind of my main thing. Hmm. Um, just the process, the the process of of making new pornographer songs. Um, where I would just like write a song and be like, say, here's the words and the chords and tell me when it's time to come in and sing them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, send me a copy of the record when it's done. You know, that seems kind of foreign to me right now. Did you realize it was hollow? Like everything that's come before you are gone. The idiot's dissonant roar. That exquisite gong struck down Cue synthesizer Cue guitar Bringing the drums 
So you've, you've played our festival in 2005 and in 2016. Um, I'm, let's see if we can go back down memory lane. What, do you remember what you were doing in 2005? Either, yeah, well, with either Destroyer or Pornographers? 2005, that was a really strange one. I don't... Um, I kind of put together a band just for that show... Um, even though it's a bunch of people that I've played with before and would play with later. Uh, but it was a kind of a set of music. And we flew over, <laughs> I just remember, uh, we ended up kind of drinking and being in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and everyone running around looking for us. And maybe, yeah, it was a bit of a disaster. I feel, uh, <laughs> I felt like, Afterwards, I wasn't sure if we'd ever be invited back to that festival. Oh, really? But um, then in 2016, it was a bit better. It's kind of uh, that was also a strange tour, though, because that was playing with the rhythm section that 
was only in Destroyer for that one summer tour. It wasn't the standard lineup. Um, so I guess I was also a bit nervous about that. But in the end, it was it was fine and it was fun. Um, though I feel like I need to take a I need to take a whack at Primavera Sound with like the actual band, the actual Destroyer band that's been a kind of a concrete lineup for the last seven years, you know? Because uh-huh. that band is is killer and it's not going to change. Oh, that's sweet. When, yeah, when, I imagine no, when you find the band, you know, getting the right chemistry with all those musicians. Yeah, it's been like, a, aside from that one summer of 2016, it's been like a pretty steady lineup now for um, close to eight years. And uh, I still get really excited about the idea of playing with them. Like, we haven't, haven't all been in the room together in quite some time. How We Met was like a very kind of, like I said, kind of a synthetic record where everyone was working at their isolated stations. And uh, so it'd be cool. It'll be cool to make like a bunch of noise and make these songs really loud and move. Have you done any rehearsals yet for this new record for for it's, your show coming it's up? Really, in- it's really early days. Yeah, I'm not sure if we've had like a full band practice. So when I get back, we'll start doing that. But I'm starting to get nervous. Any other, just to wrap up that of Primavera Sound, any other memory of uh, anyone you met uh, that that you were uh, thrilled about, uh, at, at least in 2016 in Primavera Sound or in Barcelona? I'm trying to remember. Um, it's always like such a whirlwind, you know? Uh, it's, it's always like kind of really fun chaos. Uh... I'm sure I'm sure one of the band members with a better memory than me mm. it's like I need to get them on the phone <laughs> we, we need to conference call them because I'm sure there was stuff but um, right now nothing it's not nothing's occurring to me and, you, and I, I do I, I do remember meeting Brian like Brian Wilson poking his head into our dressing room <gasps> when they were doing the pet sounds but I have a feeling that might have been the the Primavera and Porto so I don't want to I don't want to bring that up because you're talking about Barcelona well we'll accept Porto it's like our but little that, sister I, that was like a week later I remember yeah and that was kind of exciting wow. um, obviously because he's uh, a huge figure you know <laughs> Brian Wilson hello did you yes. interact or was it, was it just like oh the wrong, I, I wrong booth he, I don't know if I'm making this up but I think he was actually looking for um, for candy <laughs> <laughs> You know, like how your backstage rider has like <laughs> snacks and stuff. What do you ask for from a festival? Like for like any kind of whims or special wines or stuff like that? Uh, yeah, we're we're pretty easy to please. If there's a few drinks to be had, that's good. And if the sound is good, which it always is at Primavera, then that's good. Uh, after that, it's just like get up on stage and go for it. It's, it's because we've noticed that because festivals compete so fiercely among each other, there's competition of pleasing artists the most and leaving a good right. memory so that they'll come back or be eager to return. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, so now that I've given you that information, what would you ask from our festival in a future rider? Right. <laughs> If my imagination runs wild, what would it give me? <laughs> um, let's see what's a suitable answer. Uh, maybe um, you 
you know, maybe like some fancy kind of drink. Maybe like a maybe like a really fancy bottle of tequila or something. You know, it's kind of harder to get that on your rider over here. Yeah. Um, that usually is a drink that keeps the band kind of happy. Do you know, just I'll share this information with you. I think it was two years ago we had Lift to Experience uh, reunite and come and play and they had the hardest rider to get because um, the drummer, he, he actually makes his own raw wine back in the US. Oh, so, crying out loud. And he'd done his research. He knew that in Catalonia we have a very strong natural wine scene. Right, so he was right, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, he asked for some wines that were really hard to procure and they weren't cheap. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a smart move. I want to steal his idea. Are you a wine person or more of a distilled uh, liquor person? I, I like both, you know. Um, I I do like to drink wine. I'm not a connoisseur of of, um, of any kind of drink, really, though. I usually leave it up to the band members who always seem to know more about this stuff than I do. And then <laughs> I just, uh, I just uh, partake. What about... Are, are you easy to please uh, food-wise? Because uh, touring, sometimes you got to wait around in like gas stations or stuff or eat, yeah, you know, eat yeah. on the road. It's not always the best experience. Are you, are you picky? I am not, I'm not the, I'm not a picky person. I'm not like a foodie. Um, I do like following people who have more initiative than I do. I'm, I'm starting to sound like a very passive, pathetic person, but... <laughs> <laughs> I do like I do if someone knows of like some cool vermouth bar in Barcelona I like to um I'll definitely like make the effort to follow them there or if you know some place that has amazing food I'll I will join join in um but I'm never the person with the knowledge uh huh And, and, and uh, just to have fun with this question, imagine in like 20 years time when you have to do like some kind of nostalgia tour with another band that you think would be uh, a great fit on a bill, like to do a joint tour. You know, yeah. that, that's something that we see more and more of nowadays. Like, I don't know, yes. uh, Blink-182 touring with uh, uh, no effects or whatever, no, or something like that. <laughs> something right. that makes sense generationally. Who do you think would be like a perfect uh, touring partner for Destroyer? Well, I don't know if the audience felt the same, but 16 or 17 years ago, we played a couple shows in the States um, with an English band called The Clientele. Oh, yeah. And I feel like we got along really well. And even though our music is really different, we were big fans. I think we ended up being like fans of each other's music and i know that i feel like they're probably not into um you know kind of the tour grind at all right now and are making records at their own pace but uh that would be if i was going to be doing a nostalgia tour as a 67 year old man hmm. um i think that would be a really good one <laughs> and you're you're in madrid right this is where we're talking to you right now right Yes, I am. Yeah. Any uh, once you're done with all these interviews, uh, or, do you have a little night out with the, the the team there, or do you have any plans or any? I hope so. It's my last night of this press trip, and all the other all the other cities like Berlin, London, Amsterdam, Paris. I've I've been traveling at night and then doing the interviews during the day. But 
this is the last night, so I can actually maybe go out and see a bit of the city, which is good because I love Madrid. Ah, what any kind of uh, places that you'd like to revisit, or what, what do you I like? I don't know. About I'm hoping to just take me around. You know, um, you know, when when the band goes out after playing a show here, it's usually like super late and it's all yeah. <laughs> and it's all a bit fun a bit foggy <laughs> if you know what i mean so yeah. i i kind of remember going to places in certain neighborhoods but um it's good for me to have like it's good for me to have a guide still you should call antonio he, i think he still lives in madrid or i don't know if he moved back down does he really i always i always thought he was in malaga he he was in Malaga for a while, but then he moved to Madrid for a period, and he was and it was he was having a lot of fun, you know, because he was. Um, well, I don't want to be too personal and tell about it, but but he was enjoying a that, life there. Yeah, a, a life there. So I, I don't know. <laughs> the, yeah. like the, the lifestyle there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a as a single artist, you know. <laughs> so yeah, get Tomas to <laughs> pull the strings. He's he's a lot of fun. Anyway, I don't want. <laughs> it's been a, it's been such a pleasure talking to you Dan uh, yeah it's been good talking uh, and I do hope you uh, come back to Spain to tour with uh, have we met is that a, yeah we're you? gonna we're gonna we're gonna do some shows at some point next year I'm not sure I'm not sure when but it's gonna happen okay well hopefully we'll be seeing you around here in Barcelona or we'll travel to wherever you are here in Spain or nearby yes so thank you so much for the music Dan um, all right best of luck Okay, man, we'll talk to you later. Adios. Okay, adios. Brown paper bag, don't stop me now, I'm on a roll. Playing brown rap in your pocket. Is it still the invisible man you're consorting with Walmart? Now that you got it all.
fuck it I look up, I see the North Star I look up, I see the North Star When I look up at the bar Through these tears Fall like pillars, Yankee style All of America loves to light its pipes All of America live to light his pipe at night To which Dixie responds Free Got it all.